everybody. Come on and put your hands together and let's worship God this morning.
Amen. Amen. Well, you can look at your neighbor and says, he really does do good things. He does great things. And then you can go ahead and be seated. Oh, welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. Man, I pray you feel the love of Jesus and the connection to the people that are around you. And I want to take a moment and welcome all those that are joining with us for the very first time. If it's your first time here, we are so glad you're here. Can you give it up for all of our first-time guests that are in the house today and the first-timers watching online? Man, we're glad you're here. And uh, as a matter of fact, my wife told me that um, our waitress from the wharf, who is a sweet, sweet lady, that she actually is here today. Our, where are you at? Come on. Well, there she is. Can you give it up for her? Hey, we're so glad you're here. The invitation worked. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you're here today, and you're so sweet, and you were so sweet to us there at the, the wharf. We're glad that you're here. Well, listen, I know that there are those of you that are watching online today for the first time. I want to give a special shout out to you. Some of you, uh, like some of our uh, friends here in the Dothan area, they work on Sunday mornings. There's no way around it. And the only way they get connection is through this. And so we're delighted that we can partner with you. But anytime you get off of work or you get that uh, other shift and somebody covers the morning shift for you, if you can make your way into the house of the Lord, there's something sweet and special about the presence of God as you partner together in community and faith here in a local assembly. It's always great to do that anytime you're available. We're so honored to have you. Well, listen, if you'll do us a favor, the connection card that's in the seat pocket in front of you, if you don't mind taking that out, if it's your first time here, and fill that out, letting us know a little more about you. And after the service, we got a special guest reception just for you. And uh, we'll be out these doors and to the left. You'll see right before you walk out the main doors uh, to go out of the building, you'll see a little sign that says guest reception and some stanchions out there making sure that you are the vip for the day and we want to make sure to greet you we'll have some of our leadership team there ready to meet you and greet you my wife michelle and i'll be there along with some of our other pastors and we'd be so honored to meet you and listen for those watching online you don't have a connect card in front of you i get that Uh, but we can have you do that electronically and simply take the you could scan the QR code or D1 text. You can text that to 84576. And friends, this is a way not only to get connected to us if you're a first-time guest, but if you need prayer for any reason, if you want to sign up for one of our life groups or share a testimony of the things that God is doing in your life, if you want to sign up for our Grow Track, which helps you understand and define your divine design, then uh, you can go ahead and let us know that as well. And for child dedication or baptism, we would be just, oh man, we'd be honored to be able to celebrate that special moment with you and your family. And you can do all of that with the Connect card or online. Well, listen, today is going to be a great day of celebration and um, going back through all that God has done over this past year man, he he really has done great things. You know, sometimes we look to the future with fear. And in reality, how could we look to the future in fear when we see in our past all the ways that God took care of us through crisis and difficulty and struggle? God's been with us. And uh, so today, I, I hope you can celebrate 
with us the goodness of God and what he's done. And looking back yesterday and this whole weekend, we celebrated the culmination of a 12-week study in our freedom groups. We had almost 100 people go through freedom classes this time around. And uh, then over the last number of uh, months and even the last year and a half, we've had a, a number of people go through. How many of you have been through our freedom class? Put up your hands. Yeah. And it been awesome? Come on, man. It's been awesome. And uh, we ended up, the culmination, kind of the finale, was at the Freedom Conference. We partnered with Harvest Church right up the road, uh, a dear friend, Ralph Sigler. And um, so we have, I think, a picture of some of those of us that were there. That's our group right there. And man, did we ever experience freedom, uh, not just through those times, but at the conference. And I encourage you, if you've been through the class but never been to the Freedom Conference, we're going to be doing that pretty consistently, and I would encourage all of you to do it because, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm a fireworks guy. I know you've probably heard me tell a little bit about this. I was a bit of a pyromaniac as a kid. Uh, I lit everything on fire that could go on fire, uh, but I loved fireworks in particular. But there's something about fireworks that if you see the first few, it's really exciting and all that stuff, but some people, like, they'll leave to get out to their car just to beat the traffic if they're in a place where there's you know a big fireworks show but you're missing the finale that's like when all that's when the million dollar fireworks go off at the very end and I would say that's kind of like the freedom conference so I'd encourage you to get connected to that and join in the next time even if you went to the class oh six months to a year ago I'd encourage you to come right back and be a part of it uh, well, listen, also I'd encourage you parents to get your kids and teenagers signed up for our camps. There are limited spaces available and we've got summer camps that are happening. And I really, I love those times. They're really wonderful. And to get your kids out of the house for those of you parents that are just sick and tired. No, I'm just, I, you, you parents would never feel that way about your kids. Uh, but no, it's a great, great time for, for them to get connected to each other to have fun and friendships and fellowship, but also to experience God in a unique way, in a special way, and to just devote that time. So let our children's and youth pastors know if you want your kids to be signed up, or you can call our church office and let us know. Well, listen, we have one of those kids today that we're going to celebrate in baptism. And we love baptism and the celebration of it. So would you give a huge round of applause to our children's pastor, Pastor Josh, and our candidate today that's being baptized. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. This is my good friend, Grayson Adams, and he expressed interest. He said, Pastor Josh, I'm ready to get baptized. Let's do it. And so he's ready for that today. And, you know, Grayson is such a joy, both on Sunday morning and on Wednesday nights in our classrooms. He is rapid fire with every biblical answer. This kid is on top of it. And today he gets to share that zeal and that passion with all of you with this declaration. So I've got two questions for you. Real easy, I promise. So Grayson, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Yes. And do you want to serve him and follow him all of your life? Yes. That's awesome. Now before we move any further... Grayson would like to share a scripture with all of you. I would like to say Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Good job. Thank you so much. 
All right, well, upon that profession of faith, it's my pleasure and honor to baptize you. Go ahead. In the name of the Father, His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Well, come on. Yeah. Way to go, Grayson. I'm proud of you, buddy. That was awesome. And what a great scripture that he quoted. Man, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. He set me up for the message, and he didn't even know it. And uh, listen, today we get to celebrate not only in our time of worship, but also in worship, we also believe that giving is part of that. And I know many of you have helped us reach the world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ by supporting over 67 missionaries every single month faithfully. And it's because of your giving that we're able to get the gospel message around the world. And I'm going to take a moment and pray over our time of giving. I know that we don't pass the plates during our service, but you can see the, the five ways to give uh, if you'd like to do that. And of course, for you first-time guests, this isn't necessarily intended for you, but this is those that uh, are partnering with us as, as members of this church and as attendees to be faithful attendees to be a part of the Great Commission around the world. And uh, so we're going to take a moment and pray. And if you need giving credit, you can use the giving envelopes and then just uh, worship on the way out at the giving boxes. Let's pray. God, thank you that we get to serve you faithfully. We're honored to do so. And Lord, it's out of the generosity that you've given everything to us. We wouldn't have strength in our body if it wasn't for you giving it to us. We wouldn't have breath in our lungs if it wasn't for you giving it to us. We wouldn't have creativity in our thoughts without you giving it. And so today we put our emphasis, our attention, and our focus right back on you, the giver of the gifts of everything we have. And Lord, we know that everything that we, quote, own is on loan from you. And so we give back, Lord, generously and faithfully because we know that your word says that you give seed to the sower. And you're able to, able to make all grace abound to us so that in all things, at all times, having all that we could ever need, we would abound in every good work. And I bless these, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. And uh, I'm going to invite our elders at this time to make your way toward our prayer stations. And uh, as we've said many times, we've got our elders and some prayer partners that are going to be available for you during the next few songs of worship. They'll be stationed over here at the exit sign and back here by this exit sign and then up in the balcony. If you're in the balcony and you'd like not to come down, if you'd like to just simply go over to this side, there'll be someone ready and waiting for you to pray over you. If you have any needs at all, friends, that's a biblical concept that we would go to the elders of the church to receive prayer when we're walking through things, uh, a difficulty or a problem, but also if you just feel God leading you uh, to give your life to God for the very first time or rededicate your life to the Lord, they could pray with you. Uh, if you need healing in your body, that's another uh, scriptural precedent that we set to just go to the elders of the church or the prayer partners and receive that prayer. So I'd encourage you to do that during this time. And, and uh, so if you'd go ahead and stand up, let's worship the King in song and in praise and then receive prayer today. Feel the fear come. I won't run away, even in. 
you thankful this morning that you can say I belong to Jesus and Lord your word promises us that there's nothing that can separate us from your love God we're so thankful for that this morning and right now God we just want to turn our eyes turn our attention turn our gaze to you Jesus you are the author and the finisher of our faith and we just thank you Lord that you are so faithful Lord we bless your name this morning Jesus Let's make it simple. 
this morning. It's all about Jesus. One more time, turn your eyes. significant things that happened in human history it was when Jesus Christ gave his life for us and as you walked in today you should have received these communion elements and if you didn't our ushers are coming at this time and they're gonna give those out to you it's uh, just kind of wave at them it'll look like this it'll be like a cup of juice and some bread and uh, so just kind of wave at them if it uh, looks like a couple over here, uh, some over here. Yeah, just flag them down. Tackle them if you have to. <laughs> no, we just want to make sure that all have received today. All right. Has everyone received? Anybody missing? Just wave at us. Let us know. Well, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, before he went to the cross, he shared with us really what was going to happen to him. And he shared with his disciples this concept that he would become the bread. His body would represent that, that it would be broken for us so that we could be healed and mended. And so today as you take out the bread and we prepare to receive this as a symbol, as a recognition of what Christ did on Calvary's cross for us. I think it's important that we remember the sacrifice. You know, last weekend on Memorial Day, we recognized the, the blood that was spilled for our freedom here in the United States of America and the soldiers that gave their lives for our freedom. We recognize it, we honor it. And we don't celebrate the loss, but we celebrate the reason. So today, when we recognize Christ in his death and resurrection, we're reminded of the price that was paid for my sin and for your sin, for past sins, for present sins, and even for future sins. Because at that point, every sin that we would commit at that point would be future because it was 2,000 years ago. But we remember him what he did for us. Let's receive the bread by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you'll peel back the tab for the juice. After they took the bread, he took the cup, he lifted it, he said, this is my blood, which is a picture of the covenant, the new covenant that will be established. And we're living out that new covenant it's in the New Testament. It's written throughout the New Testament. As a matter of fact, the whole New Testament church was established on this, the cup of suffering. 
And when Jesus gave his life's blood for us, he was giving his life for us that we would be free. So today we recognize the price that was paid to make us free, not just in this nation, but spiritually. Let's receive this cup by faith. In your own way and in your own words, could you just thank the Lord for what he's done? Lord, we just recognize it and we say thank you. You're good. You're faithful. And Lord, it's because of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness and freedom. But then you said, go and wait Wait in the upper room in prayer until you receive power from on high. That when you ascended, the Holy Spirit would descend and we could then be empowered to do what we've been called to do. Thank you for that empowerment. It's in Jesus' name we pray it all. Amen. Amen. You can be seated and turn your attention toward the screens. What happened that day? When the Spirit arrived, when the Holy Spirit came, what happened then? It got loud, loud enough to be heard all over town. Fire appeared, divided and dispersed to each of them. The outsiders came running, and they heard the fire talkers tell of God's mighty works in their own language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. The Spirit had come to describe the glory of God in their native tongues through those who followed Christ. These representatives of the world stood astounded but curious, bewildered but ready. Then Peter showed them from the scripture exactly what it meant, revealing God's promise to all who trust in Jesus. And many believed, and many repented, and many were baptized, and many were saved. The Spirit had come. The church was born. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Well, listen, I want to take a moment and welcome once again all those that are here for the first time and those that are watching online. One more time, can you just give it up for all that are here for the first time? Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And if you'd go ahead and take out your Bibles, and if you don't have a physical Bible, let us know. We'll be glad to put that into your hands. We'll give you a Bible free of charge. And, um, but I know some of you, you have it in your cell phone or your tablet PC, and you can open that up and, uh, to the YouVersion app of the Bible and follow along with us today. But would you say this after me? Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. 
Now look at your neighbor and say, you must be blessed to sit next to somebody as good looking as I am. I'm telling you, you just, God must have blessed you in some sort of way. <laughs> oh man, we're talking about spiritual gifts and specifically what happened on the day of Pentecost. Like, what was this all about? And, you know, anytime I get ready to share messages about this specific topic, I always like to take a little survey to just find out how many of you either, uh, were raised in uh, and consistently attended a, an Assemblies of God church. Assemblies of God. Put up your hands. Okay, now put down your hands. Uh, how many of you grew up in a different denomination or no church background at all or another church denomination? Put up your Okay, so we're talking about about 50, maybe 50-50-ish. It may, it may even be 40-60 on, on one or the other. Uh, well, this happens to be an Assemblies of God church. And uh, welcome. You can join the, uh, what is it, 86 million of us worldwide. Uh, but you know, what I've always said is that uh, although I love our fellowship and I, I grew up in an Assemblies of God church, wonderful, uh, li literally led the nation uh, in so many things spiritually and a, a worldwide revival that uh, came out of that church and so honored that my dad just happened to have been the pastor, my pastor. Uh, now I get to be his pastor, and it's just awesome. Uh, I hope I do just as good a job as you did in uh, the support. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, that I recognized through those years was that not everyone was raised the same as I was. And so the things that I kind of took for granted because I was taught and I was raised in it, and, you know, it, it's kind of like when I moved to the South for the first time and I realized that football was not a sport but a religion. I didn't realize that. Had no idea. I thought our, you know, growing up in Michigan, I thought our Michigan fans were just rabid fans, you know, uh, until I met you Alabamians. <laughs> and uh, wow, I was driving the other day, um, my wife and I, uh, with Pastor Carl and Nicole, we were, we were driving somewhere, and uh, it was kind of in, an, it was out kind of a little ways away, and I looked over at a, one of the houses, and you know how they have, it, just before you walk into someone's home, they got that first door that's like a screen door, but a lot of times it's like glass where you can see through it, and I knew for positive sure I was in Alabama when they had a full life-size poster of Nick Saban pointing like this in the screen door so everyone would see who they represented. Well, you know, just like that screen door where people <laughs> know this person is a rabid Alabama fan, so too when they look into your life. Maybe the, the house is a good example of your, your life. Who do they see? I, I mean, certainly they should see us, character flaws and issues and all of that, talents and gifts and abilities, uh, passions, creative thought, the beauty of who God made you to be, the uniqueness uh, that God gave to you as an individual. But what do they see when they, they look deeper, like into the, the spirit of who you really are? Like deep into your soul. What do they see? My hope is that they would see Jesus. But something that I know that they will see eventually if you begin to talk to them is they're going to see 
the culture and the background and the education or experiences that you've had, the better they get to know you, the more they know about you, the more they learn about your history and the dynamics of, of your past. And all of those things become a part of who you are. But until you really dive into a conversation with somebody, you probably don't know what they've been through. You don't know their experiences. And so what we would like to do here today is somewhat different from a, maybe a, no, a normal service, whatever that looks like, is I really want to help open the doorway to answering some questions for the about 60% that raised your hand and said, uh, you know, I, I didn't grow up in this. And for those of you that maybe the 40% that grew up in an Assemblies of God church, let me just inform you about this, that all Assemblies of God churches are different. And that's why we're not considered a denomination. I didn't know if you knew that or not, but we're not a denomination. We're a cooperative fellowship. And so we chose to put uh, uh, the major emphasis on doctrine and on theology that we would center and focus around these things called the 16 fundamental truths and, and that we would become a cooperative fellowship rather than a denomination because what we wanted was the ability to have freedom within the methodology. Let me give you an example. If you went to an Assemblies of God church it, deep in DeHarta, Texas, which we lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, they have Assemblies of God churches you walk in, and it's a cowboy church. Man, everybody's got a belt buckle as big as can be. They got a 10-gallon hat, and uh, they may lead church with a banjo. And bless God, it's, it's awesome. But it's an Assemblies of God church. You can go into Chicago or where I was born in Detroit and find that there are inner city churches. And part of their worship is they got some dance and rap going on. But it, it, whether you're the cowboy church or the inner city church, they, they, they put their emphasis on those 16 fundamental truths. The biblical statements of faith, if you will. There's other churches, even in this city, you'll, you'll find uh, brothers and sisters from other uh, Assemblies of God churches that have a little different way of doing things. It would be the personality. And so for me, what I would say is that the hope is always not to put our emphasis on the name on the outside of the church. As a matter of fact, that's why we partner with Harvest uh, at our Freedom Conference. And that's why I partner with Covenant across the street and uh, First Presbyterian. We've had uh, their pastor actually come over and just be a part of our services. I love Pastor Rusty at First Pres. And uh, I love Taylor, uh, Pastor Taylor down the road at First Baptist. These are friends of mine, John Dowdy down the road uh, who, who partners with us pretty consistently in prayer and in vision. And so when I, I look at the body of Christ and its diversity, I love it. And I believe God does too. You know, one of the great things about having kids is the first one kind of like sets the stage because you really don't know what to expect as a parent. You just, you want to be good, right? So you try to do all these things that you think are going to make that child really good. And if they're pretty compliant, if they just happen to be naturally pretty compliant, you just think you are the best parent in the whole wide world. Like, I'm going to write a book about parenting. And, the, you know, the, the kid's like two years old. And you're like, I am the best parent that's ever lived. And then you get pregnant and have a second child. And you go, I stink as a parent. I don't know what I'm doing. And then you have a third. 
and, or whatever, you know, or a fourth or whatever. And you begin to realize the uniqueness, same bloodline, same like genetic code, DNA, same birth parents, but vastly different in their experiences and their educational uh, 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 connections. You know, one's good at science, one's good at math, one's good at, uh, I don't know, public speaking, whatever. And so in the uniqueness, we don't look at our kids, you know, one over the other and go, I like you more than you. You know, like, like our oldest daughter, Taylor, she was really into drama and dramatic performances. Amen to that uh, drama queen. Any, he, he would call her a drama queen. Anyway, theater. Let's call it theater. Let's not say drama. Let's say theater. Let's use the nice way to say it. Yeah, no, uh, she was into theater. And so we celebrated that. We'd go to her events and she could memorize lines. Dear Lord, I've never met somebody who could memorize lines like she memorizes them. Just like that, man, in a night she'd have it down. And it's amazing. And then our son, uh, not into that at all. But he was into sports. He loved football and baseball and basketball. And man, we went to every, and soccer and just about every uh, sporting event. I tried to either coach it or be there, you know, uh, cheering him on from the sidelines. And we love that and we celebrate that. And Cameron, as many of you know, she's our youngest, but she is off to college and is doing a great job in ministry there, serving the college currently throughout the, the summer months, which we miss her. Uh, but, you know, she loved cheerleading. She was just a natural cheerleader. And look, I, I didn't tell one child, you got to do this. Like our oldest, you know, you got to be into sports. And son, you need to be in theater. And, you know, telling each one what they have to do. We encourage their expression that God graced them with. And then we celebrated when they did it well. Right? And, and I think that's the expression of the body of Christ, each one of us. And, and so, and yet, and yet, like when I went over to Pastor Ralph Sigler's church just this weekend, I, I didn't walk in and go, you know what, you need to move like that picture over there because that's the way I would do it. You need to move the lights just to this side. You, you gotta, you know, that's the way we do it. No, I just celebrated what God's doing at their church. But yet there was this unique distinction that was taking place in the body of Christ. And specifically, uh, if you go all the way back to the New Testament church, you'll find that one of the most important birthdays that we could celebrate is the birthing of the New Testament church in the book of Acts. And the Bible talked about literally that it's not like one denomination was birthed out of this. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. Every church that exists on planet earth that names the name Jesus and calls him Lord as a new an extension of the New Testament church was all birthed out of this day that we celebrated last weekend called the day of Pentecost. And so that, that, that birthday of the New Testament church, regardless of the denominational uh, connection that you have or affiliation, we were all born out of the same place. It was born out of the Spirit. This church has a wonderful and uh, diverse history. Uh, I, I don't even want to say the number, but I, I can look to Scott, our 
historian, our resident historian of exactly how many years that predates the Assemblies of God and our connection there versus our affiliation with the Assemblies of God. But we're coming up on a, close to 100 years, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? 98. There it is. See, I told you. And he might even have the date in, the, in, his, in his head. You got the date in your head? December 6th. Thank you very much. But 40 years ago, right? Uh, almost to the day, June 5th, I believe, uh, of 1983, was uh, when this, this property and this church physically here uh, moved to here. And it was during the largest economic downturn. Uh, that, that, matter of fact, it was the highest prime rate in our history. 21.5%, is that right? 21, it, the prime rate was 21.5%. Listen, honestly, in the natural dimension, I would say that's not a good time to break ground on a church and buy land. Right? You wait till there's like, you know, all things are good and everything's wonderful. How many of you know, if you look at the New Testament church, it was always birthed out of tribulation and difficulty and struggle. It's almost as though God got bigger as we got smaller. What do you think about them apples? (laughs) And so it was with this church and the establishment of this church. But we here at Dothan First simply want you to experience everything that God has for you. As your pastor, I want you to experience everything God's got for you. Everything. Look, man, if I'm going to go to Disney and plunk down however many dollars that it required to second mortgage the house to go to Disney or whatever, if I'm going to an amusement park of any kind, listen, if I paid the money, I want to ride the rides. And I know some of you are like, you know, I'm just a little... My personality is more to go to the shops and do the sweets and stuff like that. I'm like, you missed Space Mountain? Are you serious? How could you miss Space Mountain? One of the greatest uh, moments of my life was as a child. I, just, I, was, I was grown enough that I could sit. Uh, my grandmother was there, and she put me right there between her uh, on her lap, and I got to ride I think it was the first roller coaster I ever rode. And the uh, greatest moment of my life, I wet my pants on Space Mountain. And that's when I was 15. So, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <clears throat> what was funny about that story is my, my grandmother said, she, to, to the day that she uh, passed, she always said, I'm not sure which one of us wet our pants, me or you, but you had a change of clothes as like a little boy and I didn't. She remembered that part. But I want to I ride all the rides. I want to experience every bit of that park. Why? Because, man, I, I'm invested. Like I plunked down my money. I'm invested. I, I'm there, and I want to experience it all. And so it is with a New Testament church like ours. We just want to experience everything that God has. And one of those spiritual gifts specifically, supernaturally, is the gift of the Holy Spirit that was given on the day of Pentecost. And by the way, let me just say, this is uh, not some natural ability or, edu- you know, an, you, you educate people and then they receive or, uh, you know, you have a special ability or you're loved more by God. This is a special reward. The supernatural gifts are a, an extension of a reward system. So if you're a really good Christian and you're really loved by God, then you get it. That's not the way it works. 
Matter of fact, in the Assemblies of God, uh, as, as much as we consider this part of uh, our, our uh, biblical foundation to be a distinctive doctrine, uh, statistically, we're about 40% of all of those who are adherents to an Assemblies of God church have experienced the gift that I'm going to talk about today. And yet, it's so beautiful and profound that I would want all of you to better understand it so that you could eagerly desire it according to the Scriptures. Does that make sense? So here it is. The Holy Spirit. Book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, if you'll turn there. And um, as you're turning there, uh, the Holy Spirit provides a whole lot of things other than his gifts. Right? I said it last week. And by the way, we did two weeks. Pastor Will and myself did a two-week series to get you kind of uh, the foundation before we, that, to, to lay the foundation. So if you weren't here over the last couple of weeks, I'd encourage you to go back online and get all that because we're not going to re-preach that today. But here it is, uh, the gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit that are unearned but given by the will of God. You need to understand that also the Holy Spirit was given to give wisdom and comfort and guidance and power and conviction and truth. He reveals the truth of God's word to us. We can't, the scriptures can't even be fully revealed to us uh, in our natural mind without the Holy Spirit revealing it. He reveals truth. He, re he glorifies Jesus. He gives us power to have both the gifts and to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. And we talked about that last week. Here it is, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. By the way, these are the last words, one of the last words of Jesus before he ascended and before the power of God came and descended. He said, but you will receive power. And this word power, many of you have heard the word dunamis, which is a Greek word, which is where we get our English word dynamite. It's power. Right, power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll, re you'll be my witnesses. So that was the main purpose was not all these gifts that I'm about to discuss, but it's specifically to be a bold witness for him. He says in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the ends of the earth, and in our context, that would be like Dothan, that we would have the power of God to witness boldly here in Dothan and then in the state of Alabama and then the United States of America and then around the world globally as we do with all the missionaries that we support. All right, let's move now to Acts chapter 2 where the New Testament church was birthed, Pentecost. Here it is. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, who is he talking about? This is these 120 believers that watched Jesus ascend and was told by him to wait for the power, that they couldn't be fully commissioned to go without being filled with the Spirit's power. So they're all waiting and they're all praying. And they're on this countdown until the day of Pentecost fully comes. And here it is. They're all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as, as the Spirit enabled them. So there was this heavenly language and the Bible talks about that they were praising God in all different known languages. According to the scriptures, we see that, uh, and the, the video described that, whether they were from Mesopotamia or from other parts of Cappadocia or other parts of the known world at that time that spoke different languages, they were able to hear them praising God in their language, which is amazing, right? As the Spirit enabled. Everybody say, as the Spirit enabled, <laughs> 
Right. So here's where they were empowered to do what they were called to do. Now, here, I want us to, to skip down to the reaction of what happened. After this moment occurred and the New Testament church was born, Acts chapter 2, verse 15, here's what happens. First thing that happens, all these people first just hear a commotion. They hear a sound, the blowing of a rushing wind. The Bible says tongues of fire. And all of this stuff is happening. They hear this loud noise. And just from a distance, they presume there's a wild party going on. The party just like carried over from the night before. And everybody's still drunk or something like that. They just presumed that. But the closer they got and the more they were able to hear, they recognized something different was taking place. So the apostle Peter now says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. He says, no, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Talking about a prophet that had, had prophesied uh, years and years before, hundred, hundreds of years, uh, uh, I believe, before I have to, I have to uh, put in context the text. But Joel says, this is that which is spoken. And now, now the prophet Joel has said these words, but the apostle Peter is recognizing this was the day he was talking about. Here it is. He says, verse 17, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days and they will prophesy. And as I said last week, this was transformational in that culture because uh, elder men were the ones that were recognized in, in terms of, of, of leadership and respect. Everyone else was almost all but disqualified. Young men were seen as lesser. Certainly, uh, those that were considered servants uh, were considered lesser. Women were considered lesser, not biblically, but culturally at that time. There wasn't a sense of equality. And now God is now reminding them that I will pour out my spirit on everyone. And this was transformational, as I said, that it was a reminder that God wasn't into ageism or classism or sexism, right? That, that God truly was pouring out his spirit on all. How many of you thank God for that? Amen. Amen. So here, I, here it is. I want to just go through and answer some questions about all this because it brings about a lot of question and controversy. So I'm going to answer as many questions as I can get to today that have been asked of me through the years. And if you'll bear with, with me, some of you say, ah, I don't have that question. Well, you might be asked that question one day, so you might need to listen so you can then understand. So first question, uh, can you attach Pentecostal uh, you know, and be Pentecostal and still be rational and intellectual. Hey, this is a good question. Like, are there just a bunch of dummies that, that, that go to a Pentecostal church? Like, we do, listen, and here's why they say it. Do we throw off the intellectual to embrace the emotional? It's a good question. Yeah, it's a great question. And you know what? I am both intellectual and emotional, Right? Like, I'm not a crier, like, I don't, I don't cry at a bunch of different stuff, but I, I, I can tell you when I'm most teary-eyed is when it has to do with my wife, my kids, my family, or my God. <laughs> then I start to get a little emotional, right? But the difference between my son and I 
two guys, two Bensons, like his name, Griffin, Marcus, Wayne, Benson, like he's got my name in his name. And yet the difference between the two of us is when I was in high school and I scored a goal in soccer, I would flip my shirt over my head, do an airplane. I would point at myself and make sure everybody knew I scored that goal. He'd score a goal and would just walk back like he didn't do it. When we told him, I'll never forget this. We told him that they were, we were going to Disney and the two girls were screaming at the top of their lungs, running in circles, going crazy. And he was just like sitting there. And I was like, dude, we're going to Disney. Are you cool with that? Like, are you excited about that? He's like, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Very different emotional makeup. Are you following this? Right? Okay. All right. So can you be both Pentecostal and rational and intellectual? And the biblical proof is actually in the text we just read, Acts chapter 2, 15 through 41. If you read the whole thing in context, after they spoke in tongues and everybody thought they were crazy and drunk and all these things, the apostle Peter then walks out. Keep in mind, this was an emotional experience. I mean, think of a roller coaster. You're going downhill, that first hill, you're screaming, whoa! Think about the wind that hits your face. That was nothing compared to the rush of that moment of the rush of the mighty wind that came in and blew through that house and tongues of fire filled. So there's an emotional experience and, and everybody thinks they're crazy and drunk. And he goes from the, let's call it spiritually drunk. Like, uh, let's just use that term if you want to use it that way. He steps out and gives the most intellectual by the power of the spirit, the same spirit, the most brilliant, impromptu, theological dissertation of the New Testament church that is just about that's ever been written in human history. And he does it impromptu on the spot. This is exactly what happened, and here's how it happened, and here's where the different ones told that this would take place. And now what's about to take place is going to be amazing. And he, he shares the, not just the goodness of God, but he shares the story of Jesus and how he is truly the Messiah. So they, the Holy Spirit enabled him to speak in other tongues and then with that, the excitement and the emotion and then gave him the intellect to be able to share in his own language to articulate the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You say, okay, well, what is speaking in tongues? Well, it's a heavenly language that you've never learned. And it comes in two forms. One would be for the purpose, both, both are for the same purpose. It's for, for edification, one word, edification. And power, truly, you receive power and, and you're enabled then to speak in a language you've not learned. And that could be, uh, you know, a, a known language, but unknown to you. For example, I do not speak German. I do not speak French. I speak a little bit of Spanish, but it's the little bit that I remember from when I was like 19 or whatever, when I took it in college. <clears throat> so that's, that's about all I've got down. But I, I don't speak uh, Mandarin. There's a lot of languages in this earth that I do not speak. But if I began to speak in a known tongue from someone else, but unknown to me, that would have to be spirit empowered, right? So the enabling of that, but there's another type that the, the Bible talks about, and that would be a heavenly language. 
And this is also for edification, but it would be for personal edification. Where I'm in my prayer closet, if I'm in, at home or praying or uh, talking to God, I, I begin to cry out to God both in my English language and then I begin to speak in that heavenly language that the Lord has afforded me. And you say, well, well that's, what does that sound like? What, well, I, I'm not going to try to reproduce it here just for your hearing's sake. But I will tell you that it definitely sounds like a language. And I'd love for God to truly fully reveal to me what that language is other than a heavenly language. It may actually be an earthly language that I've not learned. I don't know. But it is truly for edification. The gift of tongues, the the spiritual gift that he gives to all of us, or at least he affords to all of us as believers. All right, so then another question. Well, why would God give us another language? You know, that's a great question. Like, why would God do it? Like, he's got so many other things going in life. Why not? Why, why would he do that? And honestly, contextually, if you look at all the gifts of the Spirit, almost all of them have a natural context, right? The gift of healing. Well, if somebody's sick, they need healing. So that gift of healing seems logical in context of our natural inclinations, right? If there was spirit-led, think about if, if, if you were spirit-led to give a word of wisdom. How many know we need wisdom in our culture today, right? If you had a gift of exhortation or of prophecy, it seems like there would be a natural, logical outlet, a rational reason why God might give it. And yet this one thing, tongues, is like what seems to separate denominations and all this other stuff and causes division and crisis. And it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. Why would God give us another language? Have you ever been praying in your English language and all of a sudden you just didn't know what to pray? Like, for example, if you have a friend or a family member that goes in the hospital and they've been tested and they've got all these tests and the doctors can't figure out what's wrong with them, that would be a time when I'm maybe at home in prayer and I'm praying for this person that's sick in the hospital and the doctors can't figure out what's wrong with them. Well, how am I supposed to pray other than God heal them? Like, I don't know exactly what to pray. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, pray for their stomach. You know, God, pray for their heart. Like, God, pray for their leg. Like, the doctors don't even know. How am I supposed to know? Well, guess what? The Spirit of God that created all of us knows better than we do. He knows the mysteries of the universe. And so when I use that heavenly language, all I'm doing is crying out to God in that heavenly language, and it's beginning to do something in the supernatural, okay? So that's, that's a picture that's just a, it's not a sign of spiritual, super spirituality. It's an unearned gift. Another question. How do you know if you're speaking in tongues or if it's from the Lord or from the devil? Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. I got a biblical answer for you and it's found in Luke 11. And uh, it's not in your notes, but uh, you can look it up and I'd encourage you to do so. It's, it's actually a scripture that I memorized Growing up, I did a speech meet, and this particular passage was part of the speech meet. But here it is, Luke 11, 11 through 13. It says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, right? Like you're at home, and you have breakfast, and your kid wakes up, and you're, you know, you're frying eggs or whatever, making scrambled eggs for the family, and all of a sudden, your son says, hey, can I have an egg? And you like throw him a scorpion. That's <laughs> like, who would do that, right? No one. 
No good dad would do that, right? He says, if then, verse 13, if then, though you are evil, you know, we're imperfect, we're flawed. Though we're imperfect and evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, here it is, will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I mean, what a great idea, God. <laughs> Thanks for reminding us that even though we're imperfect, as, as earthly fathers, we'll still want to give good gifts to our kids. How much more the heavenly father who knows everything about us, if he says we need it then, and, the, and Jesus told them they needed it before they could be empowered to do the work of the New Testament church, then we ought to desire it, simply desire it as well. Now, here's a question, another one. Do you have to speak in tongues to be a Christian or a member of the Assemblies of God Church? No. No. It's a gift. That's it. It's a gift. How could I make you get something that you could only be given, not as a reward system or being good, but just simply as a gift? How could I force that upon you? I could never do that. So it's simply a gift. But there are, the reason why some people think that is there's a, not every Pentecostal church has the same doctrine. There's Pentecostalism that has a larger umbrella that also includes like the United Pentecostal, which is, has nothing to do with the Assemblies of God or its doctrine, but people mistake it. They just think, you know, you got this label, so you must be that. And they believe that you, some in, in United Pentecostal would say that you're not even a Christian if you don't speak in tongues, which again, I was going to say is ludicrous, but I would say is, is unbiblical according to what I see in scripture, doctrinally. Because it's a gift. All right, so here's another question. If I get filled with the baptism of the Spirit, does God just take over? Like, will I be able to control myself, I think is probably the question that they're trying to ask here. And here's what I would say. We are yielded vessels. Yielded to God. But the Bible says that the prophecy is subject to the prophet. So even if you're operating in a spiritual gift, you have to realize that God's not going to like move your tongue. <laughs> He's not going to grab, you know, th th actually, I'll just stop and say this. There have been abuses where people have tried to manipulate the Holy Spirit by teaching that, uh, you know, someone, let's say, comes down for prayer and says, you know, I'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I like the gift of the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, whatever. And so they, they haven't come forward. And in some churches, it's been manipulated and misused and abused where they, you know, our, our district pastor said that uh, he had a church that he went to when he was a kid and they literally took his Adam's apple and did like this. That's crazy. That's nuts. It's manipulation and it's unbiblical. Other churches that grab the person's chin and start going like this. Well, that's just not the spirit. That's uh, the flesh. Like weirdness. Weird people. Well, let's say, let's, you know what? Let's not say weird people. Let's say well-meaning, misguided, uneducated. Like grabbing somebody's tongue and like trying to, you know, what, what? And the worst one that I've heard is, repeat after me, I want to buy a Hyundai. <laughs> say that 10 times. Now say it faster. Now you got it. No, you don't. No, you don't. How could you manipulate something that could only be spirit-led? How could you manipulate something that's only spirit-born? It's out of the Holy Spirit. 
right? It's when the Holy Spirit touches our human spirit. I just want to give answers to some of these really important questions. So we're, we're yielded vessels where God can use us, imperfect as we are. Um, let me say it maybe like this. A farmer who prays for and believes for a crop to grow, right? God can give them the sunlight. God can give them the soil. God can give them the rain. But the farmer still has to plant the seed, Similar to salvation where we have a free gift of salvation that's been offered to us, but we have to receive it by faith. We have to be open to receive the free gift of salvation. Are you following this? All right. So this is just some of these answers that I felt like God put in my heart to answer. Another question. I thought I got the Holy Spirit when I first believed. Yes, you did. You did. You did. When you yielded yourself, the Bible says that we are filled with the Spirit at salvation. And here's the, the, the way God says it. He says to regenerate us, to make us brand new. We couldn't be new by ourselves. We had to be birthed again. The Bible says to be born again or uh, born of the Spirit. That God comes in and he, he takes away our sin. And in place of that sin, he places his Spirit within us to guide us and lead us and give us comfort and truth and reveal his scriptures and glorify Jesus. All of those things that the Spirit of God does in us. So what's the difference between that and this over here that you're talking about? Well, this would be the difference between between me drinking water and me being in the Atlantic Ocean, right? The drinking of water is... I lost the power. <laughs> I could still do it in my natural ability. But it wouldn't be as good. <laughs> that was not a bad illustration. Thank you, batteries, for not working. <laughs> You see, there's something strategic about God's blessing when he pours out. And so what we would say is it would be the overflow of the Spirit. The overflow of the Spirit that happens. So here's, here's how I would, I would respond to that. Yes, the Spirit is resident in every believer, right? However, the Holy Spirit desires to do more through us as human beings uh, in the supernatural, that a request is given and then a gift is received when we ask for it, right? It's personal, it's relational, it's spiritual, it's supernatural, it's theological, and it's for today. And when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit with this overflow, we must be yielded to God to be used by God. And that goes for everything, right? Human availability has always been an essential part of God's plan because he doesn't he will not bulldoze you. The Holy Spirit will be sensitive as you're sensitive to him. Throughout the scriptures, there's this obvious blending of God's sovereign purposes and people's accountability and willingness. There's an interrelationship. So here's what I would say. A Christian should be clear in understanding of the biblical basis of the promised gifts they should be touched in their heart to have a desire to have those gifts flow out of their life. They should be willing to submit to the Holy Spirit in seeking the gifts. Because the Bible talks about that, earnestly or eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then offer the Holy Spirit their heart, will, and emotions and voice so that that gift could operate. But here's what I'd say. Here's the key. Is obedient availability coupled with a sincere desire 
Friends, this Holy Spirit baptism we're talking about is not the goal. It's a gateway. It's just the doorway of a Spirit-filled life. Right? It's, it's the Spirit-filled life that we're talking about. And so... Um, I would encourage you if you were exposed to maybe a church that just kind of operated with manipulation or if it was simply an outlet for the flesh and there wasn't proper leadership given. You know what's interesting about the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about it in chapter 12 and chapter 14. Um, it's interesting he spends way more time trying to head off the abuses that were taking place in the church than he does talking about the blessing of the gift itself. And so it's not wrong to talk about. I think it's important to talk about and to recognize that, recognize that anything that glorifies you and not God is not him. <laughs> Right? That's what the, that's, the Spirit of God ought to be so resident in us that we become spiritually sensitive. But friend, when it is real, oh, it is miraculous. It is glorious. It is supernatural. It's amazing. So here's what I'd say. This is the, one of the questions. Uh, will the gifts in operation have our personality attached to it? And I would say, yeah. In many ways it does, but I will also say that if you asked my mom and dad, would I be a pastor or a preacher when I was younger, and my parents were really um, gifted vocally, and so they could sing very well, and my sister too, and so uh, when they would sing, I would sing with them, like, like if we do a family sing-along at home, but then they saw the Partridge family, and they thought... We could take this thing on the road. And they were very good, all three of them. But I hated with a passion to have a microphone and be on stage. Hated. So if you were to say, Mark, was this your natural inclination? You just wanted the spotlight and wanted a microphone. That was you. It's all about the natural. I can just tell you, there is nothing more supernatural than to see the Holy Spirit's power come on me today. Let me tell you why. Because in my heart and in my mind, as I get ready to go up on stage, listen, I am down there on the front row going, God, if you'll just use this imperfect vessel just one more time, please help me not to mess up all my words. Please help me not to fumble and make a mistake or misrepresent you or take a scripture out of context. Please, God, don't let me mess this thing up. If you only knew how spiritual this moment was and how spirit-led and spirit-ordained it was. Oh, I, I always come up with not a sense of humility, not just a sense of humility, but a sense of awe and reverence and almost fear, spiritually speaking. Because I take this so seriously. So yes, there's a personality that might represent in a gift. Some might be more boisterous than others. There may be a cultural uh, distinction behind the spirit, right? The, the Southerners say y'all, the Northerners say you guys. We may have a little different culture, but friends, it's the same spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And if our worship team would come as we prepare to close. Say, Mark. Do you ever get a little self-conscious 
like speaking in tongues. And most of the time, as, as I said, I do that in, in my own prayer closet, in my alone time with God in prayer. Um, so it's a little less self-conscious. But I would say, yeah, yeah, especially at first. How many know anytime you do something at first, it feels different? It's just like natural. That's natural. Like if you were to, uh, you know, and some people that are first-time guests, you think, well, this is what we talk about all the time. No, this is not what we talk about all the time. There's a lot of topics in the Bible, and we use a lot of them. But today, coming on the birthday of the New Testament church, there's a lot of questions to be asked and answered. And so we wanted to do that today. Uh, come back if you want to hear different topics. we got plenty of them. <laughs> but this one, I think, is important because it has often, listen, brought division in a place where God meant it for unity. And where there's unity, God commands a blessing. And that's why he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, I, I don't want you to be ignorant about the gifts. Why would he say that? It's because you can be ignorant about something mysterious. You can be ignorant about something supernatural and spiritual. The proof of the uh, uh, first-time experiences is we, we all went out as a family over Memorial Day weekend to a driving range. And um, myself and my son and my dad, we have all played golf for a little while, and so it, it's just kind of fun to hit the ball and, you know, whatever. But then we encouraged, like, the girls to get involved. So um, we had my, you know, Michelle and my mom, and uh, then we had Savannah, Griffin's girlfriend. And we we all let them take like turns, and you you could feel all of us. Even though, matter of fact, even though all of us, the, the three guys, have hit the the ball plenty of times before, it, it was like kind of nerve wracking to be on the like tee box, knowing that the my like my girls watching. You know what I mean? My ladies watching. I got to do really good, you know, and that's the time where I'll whiff it, you know, whatever. It's just like it's, it's new and it's different and you feel a little apprehension. And I can say the spirit gifts are often the same way as you're beginning something brand new. It's like, God, I have to have confirmation that this is you. I, I need that confirmation in my spirit that this is you. And friends, if it sounded crazy in Acts chapter 2, it's okay if it sounds a little different to us in 2023. It's all right. So is it when I, uh, it's the same self-consciousness I have when God gives me words of wisdom and words of knowledge and words of exhortation when I'm at a restaurant or I'm out, you know, at a grocery store. You say, Mark, wait a minute. You mean this isn't just for in church? I thought it was like God was put in this box where it only happens within this small period of time in the middle of a church service at the end of the third song when the pastor gives a pastoral pause and then you wait and then something happens and then we all celebrate it or rejoice or whatever or we all do what the Bible says which is judge that word to see if it's biblical because how many know the flesh and the spirit can get a little confused and we've had that uh, not in this church that I know of since I've been here but in previous uh, churches back in the day where we've had people that the kind of the flesh tainted the spirit like the spirit was right at first it started out good and it was biblical and it was godly and you can go yeah that's the bible that was absolutely the word of god that's the bible and then the, at the end of it you know and this actually happened at the end of it somebody at the end of giving that spirit moment said and stop messing with santa claus and then they sat down and we're like nah that wasn't it that wasn't it that wasn't spirit <laughs> that was flesh <laughs> and you like old saint nick uh i mean you know it just 
right? Like that's where we can judge that and go, no, according to the word of God, which is our standard, nah, that ain't right. That's not spirit led. But yet it does operate outside. That's what the spirit life is all about, friends. You don't think God has a word for your children through you parents or grandparents? God wants to use the Holy Spirit to speak through you, not just so you can speak to them, but speak through the Spirit of God through you. Man, there's been so many times where God's given me wisdom that parenting books failed miserably at telling me. Where I'm like, God, what do I do with my kid? And God speaks. Man, I can't tell you how many times. Or times where I've been uh, just at a restaurant and I ask a very simplistic question. And I don't always ask it, but every once in a while, especially if I feel the Spirit of God leading me, and it's not in a crazy way, it's not in a weird way, I just say, hey, we're about to pray over our meal. Is there anything specific that I can pray for you about? And I can't tell you how many times servers have literally sat down next to us. They stopped serving. Uh, they sat down next to us and just started un unearthing things that God's been working on them with. And we pray. We pray together. I'm just telling you, I told you about this, and I, for those of you that didn't hear me tell this part of my story, uh, a few years ago, I had not been thinking about refinancing our house and getting a different loan. I hadn't thought about it. I wasn't really watching the numbers or watching the percentage rates or any of that stuff. And I'm telling you, as God is my witness, God woke me up in the middle of the night and said, you refinance your house. You say, Mark, what does that sound like? Did he write it in the sky? No. Did he speak it audibly? No. Was you, were you thinking about it before you went to bed? No. But I thought about it when, when God woke me up, I'm telling you. And, and I, I walked in obedience. I did that. And within months, it went from what we locked in at at 2.25%, which is what we locked in at, to now, what is it, 8% almost? You don't think God spoke that to me? Man, I'm not that, I'm not that intelligent in finance to know those things. So how did God speak? You, you, think, you think God doesn't care about your finances or your family or your future? You don't think God cares about your business? We make things so super spiritual when they are simply supernatural. And I want to pray over every single person in this room right now that whatever level you're at in, in terms of your openness to receive, my heart would be that every single person would be a recipient of the, the Spirit's power. But first, first thing we have to do is pray that you would be first regenerated and reborn. That's the first way God does it. He sends His Holy Spirit and puts Him inside of us at the moment of salvation. What is salvation? It's, it's we were in sin, walking our own way willfully, and he stops us right in the middle of walking towards sin, and he gives us this one word, repentance. We turn, and we walk back toward God. We say, God, forgive me. I'm walking away from my sin, and I'm walking toward you. And you can do that right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. It's not my heart to judge you. I just want to invite you into this moment to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Let me pray over you. Lord Jesus, in this room, I know there's many that may need a moment with you where they recognize they need Jesus Christ in their life to be Lord and Savior of every area, whatever that may be. God, I just pray, would you 
in this moment. Help us recognize our sinful nature and then reveal that to you in repentance and then choose to live for you. In this room, if that's you and you say, Mark, that's me, include me in this prayer. I'm not going to call you forward, but I simply want to invite you into this moment. Maybe for some of you in this room, it'd be a rededication prayer where you'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come in. I've been away from God. Or maybe you'd say, Mark, there's sin in my life that's separating me from God. I'd like to pray just this rededication prayer to let God be Lord of every area of my life. If that's you, you can also be included. So that's what I'm going to invite you to do right now. If that's you in any of those categories, I want you to slip up your hand, just acknowledging by the uplifted hand, Mark, that's me. Include me in this prayer right now. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, in the balcony, on the main floor. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. Anybody else? That's you today. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. God bless you. We had about seven hands or so that just acknowledged that need, and we're going to pray right now. And I want all of us to pray this prayer out loud. So here's what I'm going to pray, and I want to lead you in this prayer. Would you pray with me out loud, everyone in the room? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Now what I'd like for you to do is in this moment of reflection, I'm going to invite you to just simply do what we just prayed is invite his Holy Spirit into your life. And maybe for you that would be a first-time commitment and connection For others of you, it may be uh, a refilling. For some of you, it may just be that you're simply open to receive. Others of you, you still have questions, and that's okay. We want to just do what the Bible says and eagerly desire them. So can we take just a moment? And I'm going to have Pastor Adam, if you would lead us for just this moment in a song and then we'll come back in and I'll give a closing benediction prayer but if that's you just kind of be open to what God has for you just just let God do what he wants to do in you and be a yielded vessel earnestly desiring thank you Jesus you are with me Father you're for me Fear will never conquer me I belong to Jesus I'm never alone I'm never abandoned Oh, fear, you'll never conquer me I belong to Jesus You are with me And Father, you're for me will never conquer me I belong to Jesus I'm never alone I'm never abandoned fear you'll never conquer me I belong to Jesus thank you Jesus 
Thank you, Jesus. One of the things that happened to many believers is that they just became aware of the Spirit and then they became open to the Spirit's empowerment. And that's exactly what I want for each and every one of you. Matter of fact, there are many that have said uh, that they prayed and then they read the scriptures for themselves. They went home and then at, at a moment where they were praying at, at home in their bedroom, God filled them with the Spirit in a unique way, in an overflowing way. They experienced the Spirit's power to witness. They experienced the, the heavenly language. They experienced joy or peace or the, the satisfaction that they were longing for, the fulfillment that they were looking for, the, the fact that they recognized it. It was almost like for the first time they knew there was more that God wanted to give them. That's the Spirit's impartation. It's the overflow. And that's what I would hope all of you walk in is a spirit empowerment that carries you. It carries you day to day. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray we would do exactly what you called those New Testament believers to do, is to pray and then expect spirit empowerment for our daily lives and for boldness to be a witness for you. Lord, we celebrate your Holy Spirit. We celebrate the, the third person of the Godhead. And Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit has led and guided this church for a very long time, and you will continue to lead and guide us. And Lord, I thank you for every church in this city that lifts the name of Jesus high. And we thank you for our partnership with every church that names the name of Jesus as their Lord, their Savior, and truly releases a gospel message, a full gospel message. And now, God, we don't take that lightly, but we thank you that you impart for power, power to live a daily life, to be godly spouse, to be a godly parent and grandparent, to be a godly worker on the job, be a godly employee, to be a godly son or daughter, to be a godly believer, and to be empowered to bless others. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that special blessing. Thank you, Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to give a benediction uh, blessing, but I want to let you know this worship team is going to remain up here. Pastor Adam, if you'd be prepared to just kind of lead them for uh, a little while. And what I'd like is if you would like to just stay and pray, and, and oftentimes we would have, uh, and some of our elders are, are going to be uh, available, some of our prayer team will be available. Uh, pastors, thank you guys for being willing as well. Um, but if you just come and begin to kneel down here and begin to pray, they're not going to do anything weird to you. They're not going to slap you over the head. You know, they're not going to push you down or something weird. Just going to pray for you. And if you want to kneel or if you want to stand and just seek the Lord, then I want you to know we're here. We want you to know we're here to continue to believe with you for everything God's got. How many know everything God's got is good? Let me say that again. Everything God's got is good. Everything that God's got is good. And he wants to give it to you.
but we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We just ask and earnestly desire. And then we pray and seek. The Bible says it's almost, and it's actually in the English, it's a continuation of asking. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Right? Then the door will be opened, and that's what we desire. So if you'd like to do that, you can just remain here and uh, at these altars and begin to pray at these steps and just ask the Lord for something as our worship team continues to play. And uh, if you are heading out, two things. First of all, if you're a first-time guest, we have some of our leaders that are going to be out in our foyer in that special uh, guest reception. We just want to greet you and give you a gift for hanging out with us today. We'd be honored to do that. And then also for those of you <clears throat> that maybe you, you, I mean, you're a church goer and you love this church, but you like to fellowship, if you could take the conversation out into the hallway uh, so that we can make this sanctuary just a time of, uh, of prayer. And you can remain in your seats and pray. That's fine too. But we just want you to know we're here to celebrate everything that God's got for your life, to be empowered, to live a godly life. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your hearts and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many people as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your family and your friends and your coworkers. I bless you to be a blessing to this city, this region, and this world to represent Christ well as a New Testament believer. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I'm going to release uh, Michelle. If you'll head back there and some of our other leaders will be meeting you out there. As I said, just come and receive. If you'd like to come and receive and just kind of take some time, they'll begin to play and you can stay. God bless you. We love you. Have a Jesus-filled week.